From Love and Radio, you're listening to The Secrets Hotline at 929Secrets. I'm Nick Vanderkolk. Hi there. I have a date story. I don't know if it's a secret. It's just a really weird, it's just a really weird story. And I wanted to share it with you all. A couple years ago, I was seeing this guy. So we met at a party. We are in college in Chicago. At the party, he came up to me and he was like, oh, are you from the Bay Area? And he was like, I think you swiped left on me on Tinder while we were home for the holidays. I was like, wow, man, sorry about that. And it was a weird thing to say, but but he was kind of cute. And so it was a game night party and I went over and people were playing Bananagram. And I started playing Bananagrams and he was at the game too. And I asked him out to coffee using my Bananagram. He walked me home that night and we decided to go on dates. It was great. I was very much like not interested in just dating one person at the time. And so I was like, look, like nothing serious, but like, let's hang out, it'll be fun. Um, And so we started going on dates and he was seeing someone else. And that person seemed like very interested in him. I was kind of like, I don't want any part of drama. Like everyone should date everyone if we're all cool with it. But like, I don't want to be a part of your guys' relationship. Let me know if we need to stop dating so you can be monogamous with this person and mostly leave me out of it. No one thought any of this was monogamous. But that person who he was also dating loudly told my ex-boyfriend that I was like fucking this guy, which wasn't true. And like basically just spread it everywhere in a way that felt really, really bad. I was pretty upset and was like, you know, I think I'm done. We hung out another time. We were studying in a library together and I was doing a little dance as a study break in the library stacks as one does. And he saw me. Afterwards, he sent me a poem and he was like, while we were studying in the library, like I wrote this poem after watching you dance. And I was like, okay, that that's too much for me. But like, thanks, man. It was a lot. It was a weird place to end things, but end things we did. And we just kind of didn't talk for a while after that. A couple weeks later, he invited me to a poetry night that he was hosting with his best friend. At this poetry night, it was very insufferable. Everyone there was like, like there was a guy who kept being like, does anyone know like the last word of The Great Gatsby? Does anyone know the last word of Anna Karenina? And everyone was like, no guy, we don't know those things. Like, but it sounds like you do, do you want to tell us? It was truly just just some intense people. And at some point in the night, the guy I was seeing, who we'll call John, John looks over at his best friend and is like, can you read that poem that you wrote back when we were at our old college? Like, can you read that? And his friend doesn't remember it at first. And John keeps bothering him about it and being like, can you go find it? Like, it's on your laptop somewhere. I know it. Eventually, his friend does. And John is like, read it out loud, read it out loud. The friend reads it out loud. And it's word for word the same poem that John had sent me earlier, saying he had written it about me. I'm the only one in the room who knows that. And I don't know anyone else at the party. And so I'm just sitting there like, what is going on? Like, what is the game here? How, like... Why, why would you lie about something like that? Why would you elaborately plan a reveal? I felt so confused and like kind of scared, I guess. I think it was scary because I didn't think I was gonna be hurt physically, but I think it's sometimes scary when it turns out someone did an elaborate lie and you don't know why. I just found that very creepy. And so I left and before I left, I showed his friend the screen cap of him sending me the poem and was just kind of like, this seems like something you should know about. Like you guys work this out. And then I left. 
And I think a couple days later, I texted John and I was like, hey, I don't know what that was about, but like, I never want to talk to you again. That was very confusing and weird and I don't get it. And he responded by saying like, oh, I could tell you didn't trust me. So I decided to prove you right. It was kind of like an anthropological experiment. And I was, I guess at that point, I was just like, okay, man, whatever. And it's true. I had a hard time trusting him. And I told him kind of like, a, I like you and I'm glad we're going out. But I feel, A, I have a hard time trusting men in general because I do. And, and I had bad experience up to that point. But I kind of explained to him that I was having a hard time kind of thinking into it and felt a little bit like uncertain. And especially after the drama with the other person you were seeing, I was like, I feel not so sure about this. Or I feel like I'm having a hard time feeling super safe and trusting. And I guess he took that as... Like, I, I guess I'm worried that that really wasn't an okay thing to say because he was so upset that he did this whole elaborate poetry party lie situation to prove that I was right to not trust him. And I guess he did prove it. Now, I've been in a really lovely relationship with a new partner for the past year, and I just feel so grateful that I'm in a situation without elaborate dating games and no one's gossiping and we're monogamous and it's just like, I feel very safe and loved and I'm so glad. And I hope that every single one of you Secret Hotlines listeners finds love that is the kind of love that you want, whether it's platonic or romantic, monogamous or not, like you all deserve to be so loved and to give so much love to the world. Hello, Secrets Podcast. I just listened to your bad date episode, and I just thought, oh my God, I really wanted to share one (laughs) that I haven't told anyone. About March 2021, um, sort of in the middle of, like, I think the Delta wave of the pandemic, it was winter, it was cold, and I was on Scruff. I found this guy who was really hot and wanted to hang out. We sent each other photos of ourselves, of our naked bodies. And I thought, COVID be damned, I'm going to get some. Let's do this. I went there, I biked there. From the moment, it appeared like he didn't seem to be as into me as he had communicated over the app. And I got into his apartment, and he asked me if I was on prep. And I said, unfortunately, I wasn't because I wasn't, you know, it was the middle of the pandemic, and I wasn't really doing anything with anybody. So could we just use a condom? He was like, no, it's not going to work. What you should do is you, here, I've got some expired Truvada in a mini fridge. And I was like, oh. And he took me into his bedroom. And sure enough, there was in his closet a mini fridge full of expired Truvada. And I was like, I don't know about this. This is pretty sketchy doesn't it take like a week to get into your system? And he was like, well, actually, it was like a thing where <laughs> if you take it, it was, should set in, it should coat your mucous membranes in an hour. And I was like, uh, okay, okay. And so, I don't know, I just sort of thought, I just really, it had been a long time. It was in the middle of the pandemic. I was single at the time and was just like, let's just, fine, okay, I'll take your inspired Druvada. And I did. And he's like, you do that, and then I'm going to go to the shower and, like, you know, clean myself up a little bit. And then he got back, and then we sort of just started talking and chatting, and he just, like, kind of wasn't really making any moves, and he just sort of was talking about, like, how 
he had been sexually abused as an infant by his father. And I was like trying to be sympathetic, but it was also totally still sort of freaked out from the fact that I was taking expired medication just to have sex with this guy. And then made out for a little while. And then I was like, okay, let's do something. He's like, let's watch a movie. And I was like, okay, well, sure, fine. We'll watch a movie. He like, he's like, have you seen this new Brian Murphy show on Netflix? Like, you've got to see it. It's the best. It's like so truthful to the gay experience. And I was like, fine. I didn't expect to watch much of the movie. I expected to like, basically start fooling around with him while the movie was there. Because for God's sake, you know, I, I mean, I guess like, I had the Truvada coursing through my veins and I was ready for anything, <laughs> according to him. This TV show is absolutely terrible. It is so bad. And he is like laughing like it, like a idiot like he's like <laughs> at this bullshit ryan murphy tv show and god bless ryan murphy or whatever but somebody needs to cut him off at some point because this show is the worst we watched the first episode of the show and he was like you know what i'm not really not doing it you're not really mature enough i expected you to seem older <laughs> i was like all right i didn't really know how to take that so i just left and then I got back and he had blocked me on Scrub. I had to say that he was really, really physically attractive dude, like in good shape and stuff. But uh, yeah, total head case and a weird date. And I didn't drop dead from the Truvada. Gentlemen, we can rebuild it. We have the technology. We have the capability to make the world's first truly anonymous hotline better than it was before. Better, stronger, faster. Just leave a voice note at secretshotline.org and ask for a voice change to take advantage of our new voice alteration service. That's secretshotline.org. Please use your new fancy AI tool to change my voice for this one. I am part of a community called ABBL for short, which stands for Adult Baby Diaper Lover, which means I like to be dressed as a baby, I like to be treated as a baby, and I also wear diapers. This is a whole community, and there's people who do it because they find pleasure by role-playing and getting into a regression state of mind and there's other people like me who find a sexual pleasure in wearing diapers and you know the sensations of it that's not the secret for what it's worth the secret is that i went to the pride parade this year with the ABDL community and my family didn't know, I didn't tell my family I was going with them. So we were a group of 20 people wearing nothing but our baby clothes and diapers, walking down the street, waving our ABDL flags. My brother and my sister-in-law were at the parade, some other place, but I didn't want them to see me dressed like that. <laughs> but it was so exhilarating. It felt amazing to be myself in public. And 
for those of you hey there nick uh, and are thinking right now oh my god this dude likes to wear diapers and be treated as a baby what the hell let me tell you this there's nothing more amazing than being who you are if you like something if you find pleasure in doing something and you don't harm anyone by doing it why don't you do it if you have something that you know, makes you feel like a weirdo if there's something about you that is looked as strange by other people embrace it embrace your weirdness because that's what makes you special and there's nothing better than being weird so be weird people thanks Hey, I'm just calling in response to the response to that woman's mushroom story. That is not fucking shit to play around with. About how she had a really hard time with the experience. The respondent called in to say that's valid, but to encourage people to try these in a clinical setting. The medicine works. You just need to do it safely. And I almost had called in in response to the woman's original story just to validate her experience and say that occurs a lot, just as much as healing in some cases. I've been reporting on the developing psychedelic pharmaceutical space for the last eight years. There are a lot of adverse events occurring in psychedelic clinical trials. There was just the largest psilocybin clinical trial in through Compass Pathways, a company there was a suicidal ideation event in that. There's been suicidal ideation after the Johns Hopkins psilocybin trials. There have been adverse events like therapists sexually abusing patients in MDMA trials. So while I appreciate the person who called in sentiment that doing it in a clinical setting is going to be better for you than um, doing it on your own, I think there's risks to weigh with both someone in a clinical setting described their experience as being left on an operating table after heart surgery. Yes, the original trauma that they went into their clinical trial with decreased. However, what opened up during the trial was way more than they expected or were ready to handle. And in the clinical trial scenarios, they weren't allowed to continue seeing their therapists. So I just think there's risks to be considered in both areas, and there's a developing pharmaceutical industry led by venture capital investment right now. So spreading too many really positive stories and sort of invalidating the negative experiences by saying you should do it in a clinical setting is actually playing directly into this kind of corporate pharma industry that's developing. There's a destigmatization movement that needs to be happening with psychedelics. We're saying people use them. I've used them and that they are important to a lot of people and they're important to me. But focusing too much on how positive clinical settings can be is only bolstering a pharma industry, which in many cases is against decriminalization and personal access to whatever you want to access. Psychedelics, positive, interesting, very interesting, awesome substances can be very risky in both your doing it by yourself and a clinical setting, but a lot of profit motive to endorsement of this clinical model right now. Yeah, thanks.
That's it for the Secrets Hotline, for now. Of course, you can leave your own secret by calling 929-SECRETS or by leaving a voice note on our website, secretshotline.org. Remember, if you want to use our new AI voice changing tool, leave your secret on the website and just request a voice change. Again, that's secretshotline.org. If you call in and change your mind for whatever reason, just call back within 24 hours and I'll make sure your call doesn't get published. And if you can, find a quiet place to record and don't use a speakerphone or hands-free device. The quality of the call is much better when you don't. This episode featured the music of Kishosis, Zoroshi, and Glitchbird. Check the show notes for the full playlist. The Secrets Hotline is a labor of love and radio and made possible thanks to our subscribers. If you want to join the group of fine, beautiful people who make this show possible, go to loveandradio.org slash member or subscribe in Apple Podcasts for access to special and free extended episodes. I'm Nicholas Sardine Punch Punch Thank you for listening. <laughs>